You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. If you missed our basketball podcast just a couple days ago, we broke down five things we've learned or five kind of, well, I guess it's not just five, our first impressions of the Michigan basketball team's 3-0 and start to the season. And as we mentioned then, we actually recorded this one at the same time, but we ended up talking for so long and they were two drastically different episodes. So um, this is a football episode. This is 2020 hindsight, taking a look at what could have been avoided um, for, for the Michigan football team. Some parts of it couldn't be, and we, we assessed those. Um, we also assessed what seemed to be painfully obvious decisions. So we kind of cover the whole base, looking at how Michigan's season fell by the wayside and then assessing just how preventable each of those factors were. Of course, if you like this podcast, you can always subscribe to our podcast. We're doing four, maybe even five a week right now uh, between myself, Steve Lorenz, Sam Webb, Tim McCormick, uh, Bryce Marich, Josh Henschke. Got a whole team covering every nook and cranny of Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. Feel free to subscribe, share it with your friends, throw us a rating. Uh, That obviously helps us continue to grow. Um, And obviously, you can read all of our stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. But with that, we'll go ahead and get started with a football-focused episode. Going to try to change the tone. Obviously, some of the stuff is going to be overlapping. But Michigan is 2-4. and And Steve, I, I I don't think anybody saw that coming. I don't think a single person, even the biggest like Michigan hater, would not have seen two and four coming ahead of the season. So we're gonna try to work through some of the things that that caused this and sift out which ones which ones actually could have been changed, or were Michigan's hands just simply tied? And and so I don't know if there's a particular one you want to start with Steve, but, but two and four, very surprising. What has been the biggest reason they are two and four? There's a lot of them, but which one stands out the most to you? Uh, I, I, I still tend to lean on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I, 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 part of me wonders, would Michigan be two and four? I mean, they literally wouldn't be, but what would the record be if they had beaten Michigan State? You know, was it? Yeah, is that is that kind of like a pack it in? Like like a deflate? I mean, imagine how deflating, you know, that loss had to have been for that group of guys, you know, uh, to lose in the, in the fashion that they lost. Because the, the actuality, Michigan's two and four, it's a, it's a bad two and four, too. They're mm-hmm. a missed field goal away from being one and five with losses to Michigan state Rutgers and and a Penn state team that hadn't won. Yeah. And all, and three of their losses have been by double digits. Three of them have been at home. Yeah. Yeah. They're lucky to be two and four. They really are. And so, you know, I, I I just, I kind of look at the Michigan state game and how they lost as just being just sort of indicative of how this season has gone for them defensively, as far as I think one of the big, the big theme, and it is, it's something that I think 
and we talked about it, been, but I don't think we ever saw it coming to this extent, was that you get you got the sense that that teams coordinators were figuring Don Brown's scheme out. Mm-hmm. And now you're seeing lower level teams, you know, because I think the knock was heading into this season was that Michigan wasn't showing up defensively in the big games, you know, the Ohio State, right, Penn State a couple of years ago. It's like Wisconsin. You know, it was like there were teams that were giving Michigan prop, but they were elite teams that had really good offensive structure or, you know, veg, you know, like a Wisconsin and Ohio state kind of opposite styles, but still just like, you know, elite as, as far as what they do. Now you're seeing teams like, well, again, like Michigan state throwing for 300 and some odd yards and three touchdowns and no turnovers, you know, with a freshman receiver who, again, I, I, I want to say, I don't even think he I think he has 20 receiving yards in other games total. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. well, I just still can't believe that, um, you know, and Rutgers even offensively scoring their most points in a conference game since in what, four years. Three yes. Four it's years. 2015. So five yeah, years, So five years. So you're seeing like, and again, I mean, we could, we could go back and forth. You know, the offense hasn't been doing their job and the defense, you know, it make puts more stress on the defense, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, the biggest theme is, Michigan Don Brown the scheme they have done zero to convince anybody that it they haven't been figured out because Michigan's problems there have been fundamental issues I do think there are a couple areas on the roster that are are talent deficient at least what you're from what you're expected at Michigan they have had injuries that's a fact but just schematically you don't have to be an X's and O's person to to watch these games and see that offenses seem to have an idea of what to do, how to set up other things that they want to do by mm-hmm. taking what Michigan consistently is giving them, you know, and then able to hit big plays by setting it up. Right. You know, so that's why I look at the, I kind of, you know, I know Michigan beat Rutgers, but I look at that screenplay in overtime where Rutgers scored on the first play. I think it was the second overtime where they scored on the yes, first play, yes. right? Of yep. like just the quintessential example of they're just, they've been, they're figured out schematically. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the, it was, you pat the guy, pat the OC on the back. Oh, it was a perfect play call, but it's like, man, it just felt like they had been just waiting to use that, you know, and it's just, so that to me, that's probably the single biggest reason. I mean, yeah, there are a multitude of reasons, but, but that still is just the one that kind of sticks out to me. So, in 2020 hindsight, is there anything Michigan could have done about that? Whether it was switching coordinators before the season, um, you mentioned the talent deficiency. One thing, kind of a preview to a future one that we'll discuss. I know they lost Ambry Thomas late, but kind of looking around that cornerback room, could Michigan have been a bit more honest with itself there and then also on the defensive line and said, you know, they need to be more aggressive on the transfer portal to like get a, get a reinforcement or two, even if it's like a, a Mike Dana doesn't necessarily play a ton, but, but elevates the room just a little bit, anything in hindsight that could have been done. Cause I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if Michigan's going to have its worst defense in the history of Michigan football, of course they're going to be two and four. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, that's half the game that you're they're, they're the worst ever. So, in hindsight, 
anything they could have done differently that would have produced a different result? So it's hard to know when with everything going on, what they could have done like in a practice type setting. But the thing I kind of go back to, so everyone, you know, if they need to play more zone, they need to play more zone. They did play a decent amount of zone last year. They look mm-hmm. completely lost every time they tried to play zone this season, like completely lost checkdowns galore that were forcing Michigan to then re- redo what they were doing. You know, trying to think if it was, was it Wisconsin? I don't know who it was where Michigan went into zone and multiple times where running back would just go sit five yards past the line of scrimmage, catch the pass, gain about 15, 20 yards. You know, it's like, so I don't know if it's a deal where they could have worked on that aspect a little bit more because again, it was against Michigan state where they got, you know, embarrassed in running their just straight up man schemes in the passing game. You know, I, I, it's just hard to, it's really, it's, it's hard to know. Cause you have guys yeah. that I think we thought we would play a lot better that didn't, perf- that weren't playing as well as we thought they would, especially I, I think the, I think the level of play at linebacker has been one of the most mystifying things mm-hmm. that I can remember from Michigan at any unit just in recent memory. Right. Cause they, it's a, it's a unit that outside especially of Mike- compared to expectations. Absolutely. You know, cause I think outside of Michael Barrett, who by and large has been pretty consistent for them at that Viper spot. I mean, you know, people harp on the defensive tackle play, turn on the Penn state game. How, I don't know how many times Lee broke free around the edge, you know, Michigan's interior did their job. And then mm-hmm. the linebackers were just sucked in and he just bounced it out to the edge. I mean, that, those were probably two of his, or three of his four or five best carries of the game. And this is a guy who had basically no experience running the football. How many times he bounced outside and there was no edge set right. at all. Linebackers were sucked right into the, the area. And, the, you know, so I just – that has just been, you know, pretty crazy to me because I think the cornerback play has gotten better. I think – I think so too. Right? I think the defensive line play – Again, you could argue it's it's been it's argue it's the most ravaged spot defensively when you consider, you know, Hutchinson and Pay might have been Michigan's two best players this year when you after mm-hmm. Collins and Thomas opted out. That that's a huge one-two combo to be missing. You know, granted Pay only missed a couple games, but still, I mean, you're you know, those are you know, you expected both those guys to be mainstays all year. You know, and so I just and again, I'm you know. Ross, particularly in pass coverage, I think he's played okay against the run, but still a lot of misassignments. Uh, both Shibley and McGrone, I think, have been uh, mediocre, maybe. Uh, but but again, you know, they haven't helped Michigan. No, get better, right? Right. So I don't know. That's where it's like you. The answer could just be well, better linebacker play is how they could have avoided this, I guess. But <laughs> it's hard to know if that one single thing would have done it. You know, would they have won? a different game if they're like, I don't know. So, so I go back to our podcast last season regarding the defense after the Ohio state game. So I guess like a year ago, Monday. Um, and I said, I don't know how you can justify keeping Don Brown as defensive coordinator. And since then, I, I didn't 
I've been proven correct more than I could have imagined. I mean, it's one thing, you know, Alabama got 35 points. That's, that's fine. It's Alabama. It's 2020. That's, that's going to happen. You know, 24 against Minnesota. That was fine. But then you see Michigan state putting up major points, major yards, Indiana, major points, major yards, Wisconsin, uh, you know, crazy amount of points, crazy amount of yards, Rutgers, and then, and then Penn state, a team that had five true freshmen starting on offense the first time ever, you know, a quarterback situation that I would argue is worse than Michigan's. We'll get to that in a moment, but, um, you know, they put up points and yards and it just, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it got predictable. I think, Teams understood what their plan A and their plan B were going to be, um, you know, against a Don Brown defense and, and were able to dictate things. You know, they were able to set the tone. They were able to say, you know, play A, play A, play A, play B for 25 yards. And, and that's what, that's what matters is it, I don't think Michigan was getting torched on a down to down play or down to down basis, I should say, but it was the big place. You know, the, the 16, what long, 16 passing plays of 25 yards or more, um, you know, the running plays here and there as well. I mean, you had Wisconsin had a fullback go for what 44 yards or something like that. And, and that's, I don't, I I'm with you. I think, um, I think there was some predictability. There were legitimate things that Michigan's hands were tied a little bit with. I mean, they, they lost what six defensive players to the NFL draft. They lost uh, another couple guys who went undrafted, who were seniors. Uh, then obviously losing Ambry Thomas, the injuries to McGrone, pay Hutchinson uh, Hawkins for a little bit in that Rutgers game. Don't know if I'm forgetting anybody, but, but still, I mean, that's significant. I think, I think if, 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 you had asked us in August when we were thinking this team would be pretty good and this defense was going to be pretty good. Okay. How does the defense look without Quiddy pay Aiden Hutchinson, Cameron grown and Ambry Thomas? We would have said, well, probably not that good. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a lot of question marks, but I think the two things that stand out to me were one. I think, I think you, you had to look at the writing on the wall with Don Brown. I mean, how, how was the defense going to be better in 2020 than it was in 2019 under Don Brown? I just, I didn't see it. I don't think many of the fans saw it. I kind of feel bad for the fans that they ended up seeing the experiment played out in real time, that it got a lot worse. Uh, and then the other thing I think I, I can't help, but wonder if they are a little bit less, you know, maize and blue glasses at practice if they're a little bit more objective and honest with themselves, if they hit the transfer portal a little bit harder. And that's not to say, you know, the players who are playing couldn't play, but I think, you know, the injuries added up. And then, and then I think every time they needed a reinforcement, you know, say a player was, was winded or struggling, the backups didn't do a lot better on the defensive side of the ball. And it's just, um, yeah, I, I, I just can't help but think they could have been, a little bit better. I don't know who exactly they would have picked up, but if they attack the transfer portal a little bit harder, like you saw Rutgers do, like you've seen some of these other teams do, 
I mean, that's a way to get veterans who know what they're doing, who bring it consistently. That's a way to get that on your team. Guys who are fundamentally sound. Um, I mean, these are all things Michigan fans would have loved to have had on the defensive side of the ball this season. So that's that's a big one. Um, Steve, any, I, well, I guess I can, I can prompt you a little bit. One thing that, that I wrote down and I, you know, I don't think either of us claim to be, you know, major X's and O's kind of analysts or reporters, but a hallmark of Michigan in 2015, 2016 and 2017 was how impossibly prepared Michigan seemed against every single one of its opponents. I mean, I think, I think really just the, the Ohio State game in 2015 and the Penn State game in 2017 were really the only two games where I was like, Michigan just isn't prepared for this. And and now I don't think that's the case. I, th- I feel like Michigan's been underprepared for several games. I don't think they were prepared against Indiana, Michigan State, or Wisconsin. I don't, and you could probably make a pretty good case for Penn State. It just seemed like on on both sides of the ball, they weren't, they were playing reactively. They weren't being the, they weren't throwing the first punch. They were kind of um, like trying to feel out the game and then make adjustments at halftime. And that's why they fell behind every single game. I guess I should throw Rutgers in there. They didn't look prepared against Rutgers. I was just going to say, excuse me. Yeah. No, no. And so, you know, the game plan, I mean, part of it's the game plan. Part of it's the energy your team plays with. I mean, some, I'm not going to say the coaches are like out there able to control everything, but I mean, this was something, you know, every year Athlon magazine does a, um, uh, like an anonymous coaches thoughts on, you know, all the different teams and multiple anonymous quotes about Michigan were about how, they just outprepared everybody. I mean, they, they, it, I think one coach even like made a remark that was like, I don't know when these guys sleep because they are just so prepared. It's like they've spent three weeks game planning for this game. And that's clearly not there anymore. I, when's the last time Michigan, you know, cause I think we had maybe had discussed this before, not just like, took the first lead because I don't think that's enough, but when's the last time they came out and just, you know, just flat out looked better than the, cause even nor even when they blew Notre Dame out last year, that was mostly a second half, you know, wasn't the score was 17 to seven at some point. I, I can pull it up, but I mean, it, that's probably it was a the slow blowout, yeah. right? It was the closest, probably the closest one, but it just feels like forever since Michigan has just come out and just has even looked crisp. I'm not even saying coming out and dominating your opponent. I'm just saying coming out and looking like clearly looking like the better team from the outset or looking more prepared. Right. I mean, it's, it's been, that's been one of the, I think sort of the patterns that has turned into like a legitimate thing. Over time, you know, we talk about better offenses figuring out Don Brown, but now like lesser offenses have even kind of figured it out. I think this is, I don't know if it's quite on the same level, but it's close as far as like, you know, again, even the the, the best game they played this year, the season opener, even then looked sluggish as hell coming out of the gate, blocked punt, gave up an easy touchdown. It's like, you know, 
yeah, they don't ever like seem to walk out onto the field at level 100. You know, yeah. it's like they're like it's like they're like a slow, you know, like a semi or something that just t- you got to take a while to like kind of warm up and get going and and you know, a lot of times that's not enough. Cuz yeah, I mean, they came out they look like crap against Rutgers too and it nearly cost them. Realistically mm-hmm. should have cost them. Right, right. So, I mean, it that's that's but yeah, it's been a bizarre trend cuz I agree. You know, I think I think yeah, you look at 15 Ohio State, 17 Penn State, great examples, but it always felt like, you know, even in close games where Michigan would get beat, it always felt like the coaching wasn't necessarily the primary issue in those games, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was like, and I'm not putting the blame on the players. I'm just saying it could have been a, you know, just a couple breaks here or there that could have changed the outcome of a certain game. But now, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's way beyond that. That's not, that's not what's happening. You know, they're, they're, they've have just are perpetually slow out of the gate and that's on both. No, not even both, all three facets of the game, you know? So, cause I think one of the quieter things too is Michigan special teams have become hugely inconsistent the last couple seasons or so. And I'm not pointing any fingers on any of the assistants or you know whoever's running the show there, but you know when you had Peppers and I can't even remember who was kicking now. It's stupid of me to bring it up. Kenny but, Allen, yeah, Kenny. I mean, you know, Michigan special teams for a couple of seasons. I want to say 16, maybe 17 was up there where they had one of the best special teams units in the country. You know, and that's been an, another aspect that nobody ever talks about special teams. We've we've talked about the inconsistency at kicker, and uh, I'm not even pointing at the muffed kick last week. You know, because Corum even dropped them. Not even just the drops, but just the gains in field, the losses in field position from not fielding punts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but yeah, they've just looked sluggish in all three facets of the game to begin each game, like this season for sure. And definitely going back to last season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I mean, and you know, if you make it specific, by the way, they led 17, nothing at halftime against Notre Dame. So at least the defense came out and did what they were supposed to do, but it was, I mean, I think the weather played a role in that. Um, but yeah, if you look at, especially like the good versus good type of games where they're, they're playing another team that has a lot to play for. Yeah. It's been a while. And, and that's maybe the, biggest argument against keeping the coaching staff I think it, you know because everyone just looks at the results and they say like okay you know keeper keeper get rid of but I think if you actually like break it down the, the most glaring sign that Michigan coaching vibe culture has has kind of worn out is that they aren't coming out and looking like a team that wants to win football games I mean that's what it comes down to is you know you can Okay, a turnover, you know, the Minnesota game, that was some of that's a little bit unlucky, but when it happens six straight games, you just start to wonder what what are they doing before the game? What are their game plans look like? Why are why are they doing why did why is it always oh the defense got off to a rocky start and then kind of settled in in the second half as they made some adjustments? Why not have those adjustments ready? Why not be why not make the other team make the adjustments? And and you know, in terms of the energy. Again, since I'm not on the sidelines, I, I don't 
know, you know, exactly what the energy is like before games start, but Jim Harbaugh's never been a motivational speaker type coach. You know, he isn't doing like the Jeff Brome with, with you know, break a chair in the locker room before the game. He's never been that kind of kind of coach. Don Brown has been and I don't think that they're not like getting a speech at all, but it, it's relative to the other team. I think the other team just is like a little bit hungrier for a win. And I I don't that that the fact that that used to be the opposite in the first couple of years under Jim Harbaugh, I think should be a very concerning trend. Uh, if you're a Michigan fan is why, why does this team that once used to be like the most prepared, the most inspired, um, you know, playing out of their shoes team. Why are they suddenly the opposite? Why are they, why is, how is Rutgers significantly more prepared than Michigan? And that should be, that's a big one. You know, in hindsight, I don't know if there's anything that could have been done differently other than like coach better. Um, and that's, that's easy for me to say for my couch, but yeah, just that, that's gotta be a major one because you talk about how does the Michigan state game change if they, if Michigan wins that game for some reason or another, how does it change the rest of the season? I think the big thing is what if they come out and they, they don't, they aren't in a seven, nothing hole in every single one of these games. I mean, what if every single time, you know, five, five, 10 minutes into the game, if every single time they're not like, ah, here we go again. Right. Right. You know, that, that kind of deal. That's where you wonder Um, if the mental and emotional part of it comes into play where it manifests itself because it does that's from, from just watching and not participating in the games. That's the feeling and sense you get watching them is here we go again. I mean, it's, it's, it happened again against Penn state when Penn state who has not run the ball effectively all season, even when they were, well, I don't know if Kane and I know Brown hasn't played all year, but either way, they're even, they were even more shorthanded with four, without Ford than mm-hmm. normal with two, you know, very green backs, you know, march the ball right down the field and score really, yeah. really easily. <laughs> it's the first thing you think of is here we go again. So you yep. got to imagine the players. How does that not, how does that thought not at least cross their mind to some extent? It yeah. has to. Well, and, and suddenly your sideline discussion changes from let's beat these bleepers to, uh-oh, we need to adjust and find a way to stop these guys. And so, um, yeah, that's a, I mean, it's, it's a confidence thing. It's a motivation thing. And it's, it, you know, it, you, you can't help but wonder if Michigan kind of ends up defeating itself a little bit in that first half. And then halftime, they're able to reset and, and play a little bit better. But um, if you're down by double digits at halftime every game, you're not going to win very many games. It's just that's just how it works. So uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to try to do a little bit more of a not lightning round, maybe like a thunder round where it's, you know, we'll take a little bit to discuss them, but we're going to kind of hit a few of these in a row. 2020 hindsight, Steve. I just looked up Michigan's depth chart from last season. They lost 20 players from the 44 man too deep. Um, how big of a role, and that's before the injuries. How big of a role did that play in Michigan being two and four? 20 out of 44. It matters, right? We'd mm-hmm. be foolish to pretend that it doesn't matter. It's not what anybody wants to hear because it sounds like an excuse. 
you know, you combine that with all the injuries, right? right. It's, it, it definitely matters. I don't think it explains a lot of the issues that we've kind of already gone over, but you can't say that it doesn't matter, particularly offensively. Cause here's the thing is Michigan definitely looked, you know, it was a slow start last year offensively in Gaddis's first season, but once they started to get kind of gelling and going, the offense was, was got a lot better for the last yeah. second half of the season, right? 40 plus against Notre Dame, 40 plus against, I think 38 maybe against Indiana. Um, yeah, definitely improved. So it matters. I, again, it's not the, it's, I don't know if it's the primary factor or not. Again, it lost to Michigan state in particular was completely inexcusable regardless of how many guys they lost. Uh, but again, to act like it doesn't matter or hasn't been somewhat of a factor would be, you know, I think would be kind of ridiculous. All right. We're going to pause, take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, thanks for waiting. Let's get back to our discussion. One, I, I agree with you, by the way. I think, it, I think it matters. I think I'd give it like a 4 out of 10 in terms of if, if the preparation was a 7 or an 8 and the defensive... Um, issues were like a 10 out of 10 i think i'd give it like a four or five not not insignificant i'd I'd say the injuries were about the same um because you know they were planning on having some of these guys uh you know in playing this season so um yeah i think i give both maybe like a four out of ten uh next one steve michigan's backup quarterback looked better than its starting quarterback in the one game where they really both health healthy were able to kind of show what they could do 2020 hindsight did they swing and miss there i maybe they still made the right justifiable decision because of milton's high ceiling does is michigan two and four of Cade mcnamara's quarterback the whole time hmm that's hard to say. I, you, you always just go right to the Michigan State game. Would he have? Would they have won if he had played against Michigan State? You, you kind of almost have to say yes at this point. Even yeah, though, three point three point loss, right? Even yeah. though Milton 
to me was not the primary reason Michigan lost against Michigan state or against Indiana. Really? Um, mm-hmm. He only started to make mistakes when I think he started to force things when they were down, especially against Indiana. Well, and, and I do think Wisconsin was very prepared for how Milton was going to play. Right. It is their homework for that game plan, which again, preparation matters. Um, right. But yeah, I agree with you. Swing and a miss. I mean, again, hindsight is 2020 here, right? It's just, but you know, I think the, yeah, I think what Milton brought or brings physically and just, you know, it's had to be enticing for Michigan, particularly when, again, and I know, you know, we're going to maybe have to treat the way we talk about this stuff differently going forward, but we did hear so many great things about what he was doing in practice. Um, where and it like, wasn't like one person oh, was, was super high on Milton. This right. was pretty across the board. Right. And again, like whatever, like obviously grain of salt now with that stuff, but still sure. at the time that was like part of the justification for maybe giving it. And then you see how he looked against Minnesota. I mean, it was hard not to buy in at that point. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I, I suspect they would have beaten Michigan state if McNamara had started and played the entire game based on what we've seen out of the two guys now. Right. So I, 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 you know, I think that's a pretty, I wouldn't say it's an easy argument to make, but I think it's a very understandable argument to make. So I suppose. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if they'd be five and one. I don't know if they'd even be four and two, um, but not a swing and a miss. I don't think, I think they hit a, I think they hit a single. I think they needed to hit a double or a triple, you know, with all the other, I just mentioned 20, too deep departures. Um, you know, the injuries ended up being a bigger deal. You know, we talked about the defense. They needed more from, you know, you mentioned Milton was not the, I agree with you. He was not the problem against Michigan state and Indiana. He was not the solution either. In in two games where they desperately needed comebacks, he did not provide them. Yep. And in the one situation where he was able to, Cade McNamara did different team but it was on the road. It was against an inspired Rutgers team playing for a first year head coach. Uh, and he, he did it. So that's that. Um, another one I've talked about this a few times. I've teased it. Mich- does Michigan have an overconfidence issue in practice? I feel like they just, they, they drink their own Kool-Aid and, and maybe ignore some of their shortcomings, some of their problems. Maybe they don't, but at least in what they publicly say and how they how they act, I mean, they, they never shy away from, you know, expectations. They never say like, oh, you know, we you know, this group got a long ways to go. I mean, other than Mike Zordich, who tells it like it is. Um, is that a overconfidence problem? And in, in hindsight, was Michigan perhaps during these fall camp, long fall camp practices, were they too dismissive of some of their problem areas? I mean, I think you could say maybe at a, at a certain point that could have been an issue, but at, at this, like now today, I, I can't imagine that that's still, how could you be overconfident? Um, well, I don't think they're overconfident now. I'm saying, no, so you mean at the beginning of the season going in, I just, he, like I preparing like, for the season, did right. they say, did they dismiss maybe that, Hey, this, this position group's got a lot to work on or, Hey, this concept, we are not very good at at this point or, Hey, you know, blocking here or tackling here. Those are trouble areas. 
th- my I hypothesis think, that maybe Michigan overlooks those, but I, I could think, be off. I think we would have seen a more prominent correction in the following, you know, of course they played, they beat Minnesota, but I think again, after Michigan state and the way that game happened, I just feel like we would have seen more evidence to sure. You know what I mean? That's, I guess that's the way I would, would go with that one. Um, because they're, they are, they're still doing a lot of the same, making a lot of the same mistakes now that they were, you know, not across the board. Like we said, we talked corners, Jamon Green has arguably been their best defensive player this year at this point. I think that could, I think that's an argument that can be made. Yeah. Right. But just as a unit, as a whole and offensively too, uh, you know, I, I just feel like we'd, we'd have more evidence of things being just seeing more positive stuff, I guess the best way to put it for me to believe that that is like a real, real thing. But again, I think that's one of those deals where the argument is, is it's obviously there. It's just a matter of, you know, it's, it's hard to answer those types because it will never really know mm-hmm. how they went in, how, what the mentality was going into the season. You know, did every, did the team have like a molded singular mentality to begin with? You know, maybe that's the problem. I don't know. So I, I think I'm out of big ones. I mean, there's, there's a few others, you know, was, was the leadership, not there was, I mean, you could, you could hypothesize, but in terms of ones that I've seen on the field, I'm out, Steve, any other, I mean, two and four is, is stunning. It is any other reasons that come to mind for you as to why Michigan has, has fallen this far because not only are they two and four, I mean, they have arguably been outplayed six straight weeks. And or five straight weeks, excuse me. Um, they they outplayed Minnesota, but you know, the, the five games after that, they just looked like a shell of what anybody thought they were going to be this season. So, anything else stand out to you? Not that we haven't really gone over the last few weeks, I suppose. Um, you know, there is that just def- like that tan, almost a tangible sense of like just deflation or like a lack of energy mm-hmm. that we've seen on the field. Right. I think that's another thing where that's just, and, and I will say, I mean, we we've talked about it in a few different ways. I don't feel like other teams have those issues. I mean, teams that lose two games that, that thought they were going to be in the playoffs. Sure. They, they might have that, but I don't see this level of deflation on other teams. Well, and like the, the part about it that makes it such a mystery to me is again, like, and maybe we're putting too much stock into what we're told as the media going in, but you know, like I said, I just can't get over the, the biggest mystery of this whole thing to me has remains the fact that Michigan did such a good job staying healthy. They pretty much were able to maximize their spring and summer situation. Given the circumstances, you have to think that built up a lot of excitement throughout the team knowing that they kind of accomplished this major goal, you know, of, of staying healthy, avoiding the pitfalls that a lot of other programs did, you know, and, and really as a team bonding experience without really the team being together until the, till late summer. And that it just completely just fell apart. 
you know, you talked about they had more captains than they've ever had. The, the, the level of leadership going into the season just felt stronger than it had the last couple of years. I mean, they had some good leaders the last couple of years ago, guys like Bredesen, whatever, but yeah, you know, just the depth of leadership and guys that seem to want to embrace leadership type roles. And it is all just, especially when you consider how they came out and won the first game. And obviously we know now Minnesota nowhere near a ranked level team. I mean, it's not as if that's some, you know, huge banner win or anything like that, but to go out and win like that when it was perceived like that at the time. And then just to see it just, I mean, it's been a 180 yeah. since then. You, it, it, you're, you see or it feels like there's a, a lack of leadership. Everyone's deflated. They don't they, they don't appear to play cohesively on either side of the ball. It's just, you know, it's been – I got to feel like this will be one of the most bizarre stretches or seasons that we'll probably ever cover when we do this. I just mm-hmm. like, you know, and so – you know, what once, however, this turns out, you know, I think the stories coming out of it will be fascinating to say the least, you know, because I, I just, it's, it is a lot of it's a mystery and just how this has gone from looking. And again, I don't think even with all that, the positive stuff in the spring and summer, I think a lot of us still had Michigan seven and two, six and three, maybe. You know, I don't think anybody, we weren't picking them to win the Big Ten or anything like that. But I think this season was sort of looked at as, I don't know if like not like 17 because I think people thought this would be better than 17, but that this would be a team, a younger team with a lot of talent that would build towards what next year would be a, a, a season where they could legitimately make a run at a Big Ten title, you know, with fields being gone at Ohio State. You know, is that maybe went 21 was going to be a year where Michigan could, you know, once things get back to normal, Michigan could have had an opportunity to run the table, you know, and uh, right. And then all of a sudden, like I said, just complete 180. Now it's, it's, you know, it is, it's been a disaster. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. No, there isn't. Um, That's exactly what it is. Don't even have to, I don't even know what the counter argument would be. Uh, So yeah, I, I've kind of said everything. I, I do wonder, I can't help but wonder if overconfidence is an issue. I mean, I, I personally think, Michigan was overconfident against Michigan state. I think they were overconfident against Indiana. They lost both games. And then I think everything started to spiral from there because yeah, if you're one and two and you expected to not be one and two, probably three and O realistically, um, just really hard to get everybody up off the mat from that. You know, a few players can bring it, but then you playing a Wisconsin team that was like, it was like they were, a horse in a, in a gate and they just got like let loose and they got to do whatever they want. So yeah, that'd be the one other thing I would say. I, I, I felt, I felt this way for a couple years. I just feel like Michigan downplays its weaknesses. I feel like they overlook shortcomings or, or think, cause like think about the cornerback position. I think everybody outside the program said, Oh, the cornerback situation might be a problem this year. And inside, they're talking about, you know, Vincent Gray. Don Brown's worried about him leaving early for the NFL. Uh, talking about Dax Hills, the best best cover man in the in the Big Ten. Granted, he's not at corner, but you know, then they're then they're pushing uh, Jamon Green. Just hearing this stuff now, you know, it's just like <laughs> right. 
feel bad like that you reported it. I know. I transcribed this stuff. I yeah. included it in stories. So, um, and then Jermon Green actually has ended up being the best one out of all of them. But you know, it still hasn't been maybe lived up to the to the off season enthusiasm they had. And so, is that is that something that Michigan may need to to look at? Is you know, it's, I, I tell that to anyone who's training for anything is you have to be honest with where you're at. You know, don't don't make up your um, if you want to run a good 5k, don't start pretending like you're 30 seconds faster than you are, you know, go with what the times say. And so, so anyway, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, so I was going to say is like, it's, it's, and again, I think I'm trying to think back to past seasons, the assistance, maybe Brown in particular, I don't know. And I'm not trying to harp on him. Cause I think all in all, like, you know, the guy has put together some amazing defenses at Michigan, but you know, you think about, yeah, what was said about guys like Gray and McGrone and, and Ross, you know, it's like, is it indicative that the problem is bigger than what the talent, the talent level, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like these are guys that have been coaching football for a long time. I don't, I don't like what I'm saying is I don't feel like Don Brown in particular, a guy that maybe a little uh, overly effusive sometimes in his praise for players. But he, a lot of the things I feel like he said this off season were more effusive than even he's normally. Yeah. He, said. he started to have a track record for, I mean, he called, yeah, he's, he's had a few. Sure. Um, I, I, I feel bad saying it cause it sounds like we're picking on a player who didn't live up to the billing, but he, he started doing that in 2018. I feel like, Okay. but yeah, I mean, there's those. I, I think one thing we didn't mention was, hey, um, maybe play some of these underclassmen that you're really proud to recruit. Maybe make the defense simple, understanding you need more bodies this season. Uh, maybe that's one other one. But I think we've we've covered pretty much everything at this point. So for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Check out all of our stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com, including five takeaways or five things we learned from basketball's three and start and all the different ways Michigan football's season fell by the wayside. Um, check out our recruiting podcast and our basketball podcasts as well. This has been the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. Paramount plus and the national park foundation present a mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.